Nick at Night is a production of Council Communications. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to the Nick at Night Show. For some reason, I'm having a little problem here. Let me see if I can figure this out. Why am I not hearing it in my headphones? Because I don't have it turned up enough. That's why. There, that's better. All right. <laughs> Welcome to the Nick at Night Show, folks. The numbers are on the screen, and if you need them anyway, especially for those of you listening online, the numbers are 343-700-4390 or 844-562-4766. You can also reach me at nick at latenightcouncil.com. Facebook Live is up and running, so if you're on Facebook, please check us out there. If you're online, well, you're online. You can communicate any way you want to, other than carrier pigeon, letter, or Morse code using telegraph. Those methods aren't going to work. Anything else, well, we'll make allowances for. Okay, now, I don't know about you. Now, let me see if I can bring this up. I didn't know where to start, and I think this is probably the thing. Oh, why do I do that? Where did it go? No, the one I wanted to start with, I think I just closed. So let me go. See, this is what happens when I think too much. I had this all set up, and the story I want to start with is, uh, well, no. Go away. <laughs> Somebody there. Better. All right. Now, uh, why am I? Because i got to go here. All right. I'm looking for this particular story because it drives me out of my mind. Not that one. Not that one. Not that one. Where are you? You're in here. I know you're in here because I posted it. Nope. Not that one. Oh, by the way, there are some great interviews. Uh, I think there's two or three by Brad Johnson. Done from Vlad Tepes' blog. Uh, he's a former CIA station chief. And uh, what he, what, if you want to get a real good handle on what's going on in the world as far as terrorism and all that stuff, you need to listen to those interviews. I know some one runs about 40 minutes. The other one's about 25. I forget what the third one is. But it's well worth your time. Well worth your time. Okay. Keep coming. Keep coming. I know. Uh, here it is. Oh, yes. This one makes me lose my mind. You know something, folks, what makes me crazy is when people apologize over and over and over again for saying the truth. 
Now, what am I talking about? Well, this has been under my cross since I saw it. The governor's general has apologized for saying indigenous people were immigrants. Hello? Mr. Johnson, knock, knock, knock. They were. There's no, we do not have indigenous peoples unless they sprung from the ground here in North America. Everybody's an immigrant. Everybody. The only place where you can say on this planet that there are no immigrants, that there is an actual real indigenous population is in Africa, the cradle of civilization, where we all started. And that doesn't matter whether you believe in an evolutionary beginning or a creationist beginning. It doesn't matter. It all took place in the same place. And yet the governor general, I'm sorry. No, no. First of all, if you're the governor general and you speak the truth, that would be a laudable thing. Don't you think? Would that not at least be something to, you know, what? It, I mean, let me ask you a question. If you're the governor's general, what have you got to worry about? I mean, I don't think you should go around saying intentionally provocative or not provocative, but insulting or demeaning things. Now, if you're wondering what exactly he said, let me bring that back because it was I just had it. Oh, really? I did. I brought it up. Here it is. Okay, so. Here's what he's apologizing for saying. Uh, Let's see. And I no, no. We're a country based on immigration going back right to our indigenous people who were immigrants as well, 10, 12, 14,000 years ago. So what's wrong with that? Well, did that ever start a firestorm on Facebook? And you know something? Too bad. Too bad. All he had to do was say, what's your problem? You don't like history? What's wrong with that? Show me where it's wrong. What are they going to do, fire him? I mean, of all the people who have job security in Canada for the next few years at least, you would think it would be him. So why is he so afraid of offending anybody? I Like I said, I'm not saying he should go around saying, you, you know, just, just all kinds of outrageous stuff. I am saying that you know something? Sometimes, sometimes. When you speak the truth, it would be nice not to have to apologize for it. You know, underneath that, if this was a one-off, I wouldn't care. I mean, yes, people say stupid. There was nothing stupid about it, but people do dumb things all the time. But underneath it is this. We have been paying for the sins of our forefathers for the best part of a century now. We spend over $9 billion, that's billion with a B, on our indigenous peoples in this province, in this country, in my province, in this country, every year. So here's what I would like the the native people of, of Canada to do. Tell us how big a check you want. Let us write that check and then be done with it. Because this victim card, this ongoing, never-ending you were mean to my, your grandfather was mean to my grandfather, therefore you owe me money. You owe me everything. I'm sick of that. This whole Truth and Reconciliation Council and the report that came out of it. Look, there are times in our history when we have done things we do need to apologize for. 
sending the Jews back to Europe in, 19, in the 1940s or leading up to World War II was a huge black mark on our history. And if we haven't apologized for it, that's something we need to apologize for. Having the Chinese head tax was apologized for by our prime minister. Remember Stephen Harper doing that? You know why that makes sense to do those two things? Because the people affected are still alive, or at least some of them were. So, yes, okay, well, if it's in with, within living memory, which, in other words, there's people alive who remember the event, okay, fine. Let's go apologize for that because I don't believe in allowing the wrongs of history, if we can set them right somehow, to go on, you know, to leave them alone and just let them fester. But on the other side of the coin, once you get beyond the second or third generation, like, should the Americans, uh, you know, uh, get into a huge fight over slavery? I know there's a lot of people down there who think that's a good idea. It was over 150 years ago. Get over it. At some point, you have to say, you know what, that's water under the bridge. And how does this serve anybody? What is it about this that makes you say, yeah, that's a great idea. We need to hold these people's feet to the fire until they got nothing but, you know, until there's, they don't have any feet left. Where is the finish line is what I'm really asking. And it's not that I don't care about the indigenous people. Even I'm calling them that. It's not that I don't care about that particular group of people. Like what goes on at Attawapiskat? Of course I care about that. I don't want to see anybody living in squalor like that. But when you look at it, when you break it down, who's at fault? Not me. Not my dad. Not your mother. It's the very people we're trying to help. Their leadership is the one that's screwing them up. And yet we're supposed to feel guilty? It would be so refreshing if somebody would just stand up and say, you know, we're done playing that game. We're done. We've apologized 100 million times in the last decade. And we're done. Absolutely finished. And if I hear one more college dean, one more academic stand up and apologize because their school happens to sit on unceded Algonquin territory, like how many times do we have to go down that road? Am I the only one that thinks I'm crazy, that, that understands this? Like, sees it that, I don't want to say understands this. I think everybody understands it, but sees it this way. Like, what does it take to get through to people so that they don't, I don't know, I, I just, I'm out of words. I really am out of words. I don't know what else to say to this. Because you just get tired of the never-ending nonsense that goes on. And I have had enough. I really, really have. And with any luck, someday, we'll get a leader in this country who says, you're not the only one. It's time to put an end to this. Tell us how big the check is. Or I think, the you know what? I had a conversation with my father-in-law. Now, my father-in-law and I were not exactly on the same page. Like, don't get me wrong. I, I, my father-in-law is a great guy. Okay? I'm not knocking him. I mean, because of him, I got my wife, right? So I'm not complaining about that. But we don't see the world in the same. He, I, <laughs> I'm a conservative, and he votes green. So that gives you an idea. Now, you know, we can have conversations where things don't get a, but we had a conversation about this topic. And he said the best thing we can do for the native peoples of this of this country is to put an end to the Indian Act. 
to put an end to the way that we put an end to the reserve system to allow these people to stand on their own two feet and go out teach their culture to their children just like the Polish do just like the Irish do just like the French do just like every other group in this country does it's time to put an end to this and I have I'm telling you I couldn't agree with them more because how does this serve anybody and this is what's underneath this this is what, what you know, it's kind of the, the, the bubbles underneath the pot lid that's making the pot lid dance. That's how come I blew a gasket when I saw this about the governor's general apologizing for calling natives immigrants. Because, first of all, he's right. They are. And secondly, and by the way, that's no insult or slight. Okay? I, like any other, I don't, I don't have any issues with native peoples. I do business with them for crying out loud. I have no issues with them. I just think the way we're doing things in this in this situation is all wrong. I really do. So give me a call. Let me know what you think. Uh, the number is 343-700-4390-844-562-4766. Uh, let me know if you think, you know, I'm crazy. There are plenty of people out there who think that. I'll tell you that much. and Or if you think I'm right. Do you agree with me or not? Because I've had it. I don't know what else to say on it. I have had it. It's time that we start treating adults like adults instead of like children. It's time that we start demanding accountability for the money that we give them. Because we're the ones who have to cough it up. It's we're the ones who have to pay the, the butcher's bill. At places like Attawapiskat. Now, when I say that, I know that the, not every reserve in the country is like that. Some of them are very well run, and some of them are doing just fine. But there's too many of them out there that look like they're out of Yemen. You know, people living in moldy houses, pot, no potable water. Well, you know the story as well as I do. I don't need to go over it again. But names like Chief Spence bring back a lot of pretty nasty memories. And yet we allow that to continue. And yet we're the ones paying for it. All right. Hang on right there. Stay right right where you are. I have to run a couple commercials here. And when we get that done, we'll be back with more on the Naked Night Show right after this. Ron Barr, General Manager and CEO of the Greater Ottawa Truckers Association, the voice of independent truckers in the Ottawa area and proud supporters of Nick at Night. Every day we go to work to help build a better eastern Ontario, and safety is our top priority. Every start of the shift, our drivers perform inspections on their truck, so we ensure that our drivers go home to their families each night, and you, the public, have confidence that the big truck beside you is safe. If you have any issues relating to any size truck, I encourage you to contact me at 613-738-1639. Let's build a better, fatality-free Ottawa together. EMM Group is the authorized Integraspect distributor for the Greater Ottawa area, providing technically advanced insulated concrete farms. The design virtually eliminates waste while providing the ultimate energy-efficient, quiet homes and structures. With over 40 years' experience in the concrete industry, EMM offers the best product to homeowners and contractors. Canadian-made Integraspec is now being used worldwide. More info can be found at Integraspec.com. Don't consider building any other way. Call your ICF specialist, 613-835-2600. Child of 
arrived just the other day. He came to the world in the usual way, but there were planes to catch. That was my first record ever. He learned to walk, walk, Harry Chapin, Cats in the Cradle. Talk about bring back memories. It was a little 45. The label was red. I couldn't tell you what was on the other side. I really couldn't. <laughs> and what's funny about it is I remember, I don't even know why I chose it. I don't even know where the money came from. I just remember that was my first record. My first, four, it was a 45. And that tells you how old I am. It's got a whole, you know, the one and a half inch hole in the middle. You had to snap the little plastic thing in the middle to make sure it would stay turn uh, the way it's supposed to on the turntable. It's funny about turntables. I, when I was growing up, my dad, uh, every Sunday morning after after we come home from church, um, you know, he would dig out um, about, oh, he had probably a dozen, maybe 18 um albums of nothing but organ grinder music from Holland. You know, the great big wooden machines that they used to park alongside the road, and they would crank out this almost carnival kind of music. And he would put on like six records of them. And they, they would, you put them on a little spindle, and when the bottom record was done, the, the little spindle had a, a knob on it, or a little slide on it, and it would pop over, and the next record would fall down. And that was fine for the first two, three, maybe four records. But when you get to record five, then the turntable couldn't spin fast enough, and the music's all. But he didn't care. It was just one of those rituals we had every Sunday morning. All right, now let us move right along because there are plenty of things to move right along about. This is a serious issue, and I know this individual personally. Um, she is one of the sweetest women woman you've ever met. She's a nurse. She lives down in, in my neck of the woods out in uh, Convermere down there uh, between Barry's Bay and uh, Bancroft, and she's a nurse. And they have, and who she is, is Mary, Mary Jean Martin. Um, we call her MJ. Uh, hus- wife to a friend of mine, Joe Martin. And nice, just really salt, salty-earth people. I mean, you know, I, I haven't seen them in a while, but I've known them since the 90s. And I, I don't know of a kinder, more gentler uh, group of people. That, that whole family is just a wonderful family. And they live their life quietly. They don't get in anybody's face. You know, they're very devout, all that stuff. And MJ's been a nurse for years. Well, not anymore. Let me share this with you. i make this a little bigger so my old eyes can read it. There we go. Okay. A Canadian nurse no longer has her job helping the sick and the elderly after she's told she must either assist patients who wanted to kill themselves using the country's new, new euthanasia law or resign. Mary Jean Martin, a registered nurse who worked in middle management as a home care coordinator in Ontario, said she became a nurse in the late 1980s to help the vulnerable and the struggling not to be a link in a chain that would ultimately lead to the patient's death. Can you imagine being a nurse and being told you have to help kill someone? That's so against the philosophy of nursing, and it is so against the heart of the healthcare person. <clears throat> this is a life nice life sight news story. We're not soldiers. We did not sign up to kill people. We are compassionate. Martin said, an employee of the local health integrated network, government run a government run entity, otherwise known as a Lynn, was told recently that told her recently that a healthcare worker. Would not be would now be required to sign and take an oath of allegiance to observe and comply with the laws of Canada, including the new euthanasia and assisted suicide law. Last year, the country okay we know about Bill C fourteen. 
when Martin told her superior she could not sign such an oath since she did not agree with a new law, she was told all employees as public servants are expected to take this oath of office and allegiance. If they do not sign this or take it, sign this or take this, it is taken as an automatic resignation from your position. When I was told I must either take the oath or it's an automatic resignation, I said I would rather resign than compromise my beliefs. The article goes on, but the point is, what kind of country have we become? When we force, absolutely force people to become, to force them to do something they find morally objectionable. Now, this isn't about, you know, an article of clothing. This isn't about... You know, this is a fundamental underlying principle. This is about the right to life. This is about, it's one of the most sacred core values there is. The defense of the defenseless, right? And look, I know there's people out there on both sides of this issue, but this is something so fundamental. We're supposed to have freedom of religion, right? We're supposed to have freedom of conscience, right? Well, where is it here? Where is it here? How is it it's okay for the government to force a nurse to choose between her career or or what she considers killing people? And I agree with her, by the way, just in case you wonder where I stand on the issue. So you've got this kind, gentle-hearted woman who has spent her entire working life, for as long as I've known her, she's been a nurse, helping and caring for those who need it and, and uh, you know exercising her compassion in a professional manner okay to make sure people are comforted and if they can't be healed at least help them ease their passing if i could put it that way but not to make it happen faster or in a moment of doubt somebody might say oh you know i'd be better off if i wasn't here oh really there you go no I'm being a little bit flippant, but the point I'm trying to make is if our democracy means anything, it means that we have the right to live as we see fit without the state meddling in our personal private affairs. And they have no right to impose a state-imposed religion on us or a set of beliefs. Call it what you want. They're there to serve us, not the other way around. So I'm curious. Do you think I'm the only one that feels this way? I had to keep an eye on that, too. Anyway, I just thought I'd share that with you because I think that is a grave, gravely important story, and this woman deserves better than that. After all her years of dedication to be told, look, you either toe the party line or you're, you're gone. And she chose the gone out option. So she's a woman of character. She's a woman of courage, and I salute her for it because there's not enough people like that. Can you imagine? If we had 15% of the nurses or of the of the medical professionals stand up and say, no, we're not doing that. You want to do that? Don't, talk, don't come talk to me. I'm not saying nobody else can do it, but I'm not going to do it. And I, the law wouldn't, would be untenable. Sure would be nice if we had more people with that kind of courage. All right. So that's the story on that. Now, I want to share you with you another story that makes me laugh because this is a, one of the agencies I love to hate. And that, of course, is the United Nations. Now, besides the fact that it's absurd on its face, 
Okay, the, the United UN. I if you've ever if you've never listened to me before, and you don't know where I stand on this, let me make it plain. The UN is about the most corrupt. No, it is not about the most corrupt. It is the single most corrupt organization on the planet, and that's saying something. Under its watch, we have seen war after war after war. They will not allow, or they try to, um, how do I put this? Well, let me give you an example. In Afghanistan, if we had treated that like World War II, the way we, you know, take it as seriously as we did World War II, and just go all out war and get it over with, this war will be ancient history. And everybody says, well, it's all mountainous, man. We couldn't do it there. You know, it's too porous a border. What are you kidding? We fought in Italy. You think Afghanistan is more, more uh, rugged than, than uh, Italy is in the mountains? Didn't stop us then. This isn't unique. This isn't the first time a campaign's been waged. Yes, but Afghanistan's never been conquered. We don't have to conquer them. We have to wipe out everybody who wants to kill us. We didn't kill every German. We didn't kill every Italian. We didn't kill every Japanese. Or North Chinese, if you want to talk about the Korean War. That was the first war. You ever wonder about that? Think about this. And this is why, one of the reasons why I don't like the United Nations, is in the Korean War, the head of the Security Council was a Russian general. And on the other side of the line, you had communist generals running the north side of the affair. Is it any wonder it was a stalemate? You had the same philosophy, fighting on both sides. It was ridiculous. So the United Nations has been a joke for years. It's certainly ineffective. It doesn't do, it doesn't, it cannot manage its core mandate. So why are we part of it? So anyway, the reason I'm going on about the UN, just to let you know that in case anybody out there uh, thinks that I like the UN, nah, not even close. As far as I'm concerned, we need to leave yesterday. I would recall our ambassador, and I would tell him to hang a gone fishing permanently sign on the door and leave the telephone with the answering machine on and saying, you know, here's here's the number you can reach us at, 1-800-GET-LOST, and we might check our messages someday, maybe, probably never. And call them home, send the staff home, give them other jobs, whatever, but end our association with the United Nations. Now, the reason why this is important is because in the uh, the United the United States, of course, has said, you know, um, maybe the UN isn't quite what we thought it was, and maybe it's time we find a new way to do things. In other words, they're ready to leave. Well, that don't sit too well with the UN. The headline from the Toronto Star reads this way. U.S. will be replaced if Trump administration pulls away from international community, U.N. chief says. <laughs> well, that made me laugh. All right. Let me take a phone call because I like phone calls. So we'll talk. To, we'll uh, take the phone call. Then we'll get back to that. Good evening. Uh, Welcome to the Nick yes, and I Show. Hi. Who am I talking to? Yeah, thank you. Uh, my name is uh, Mary from Alexandria. How are, uh, how are you? Mary, I'm having a great time. Glad you called. What can I do for you? Well, <laughs> you were talking about the lady, uh, the, the, the nurse. nurse friend yeah. there that uh, had to sign this uh, document uh, right. renouncing to many rights and freedoms that uh, are under the charter. But what we forget is that Article, well, it's Section 1 of the charter says that um, the Canadian... Charter of Rights and Freedoms guarantees the rights and freedoms set out in its in it subject only to such reasonable limits prescribed by law 
as can be demonstrably justified in a free and democratic society. So we have all these rights until they tell us we don't. Yeah, isn't that funny? All of a sudden, they're not rights, they're, they're privileges. Well, it's, yeah, and uh, they can, so, so finally, they can do what the heck they want to do. And, and, and all of this, you know, like it's all, yeah, everything that you talk about, uh, uh, most, like, uh, mostly every subject, they can all connect together, you know, like with the UN and the New World Order and uh, the 21 genders and all this garbage that's going on. It's like, it's like a whole big, you know, it's, it's all mungled together. But I think that the, 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 um, the UN is behind it in many ways, invisibly, uh, and, you know, like when you just think of the money that George Soros uh, puts into different elections and uh, even the, you know, and, and, and all against the oil sands and, you know, all these things so that they can gain control and and. Everywhere around us, all we see is this brainwashing stuff. Just here, look, I, I listen to Fox News a lot, okay? Mm-hmm. And on Fox News, there was a commercial for the CBC, for some show going on on the CBC. And in that commercial, one of the little girls just says, well, at the, at the end of the day, it's only a piece of rag, and they're talking about the hijab. Yeah, said, I know. Listen, to, but it's know. not just a piece of rag. No, you it's, know, so it's a lot more than that. It's it's everywhere. We're being bombarded by uh, brainwashing and 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 social experiments, and even worse. Okay. All right. So well, listen, it's 1984. I'm, yeah, it is. There's George Orwell's and all that sort of thing has certainly come to pass. I want to thank you very much for your call, and I hope you'll call again. All right. All right. Have a good night. All right. Now, uh, for those of you on Facebook Live, sorry about that. I thought you could hear the callers. I will do my best to rectify that problem. I'm not sure how I'll do that yet. But um, basically, she was just what the call was about was about the nurse. And she was saying it was a travesty that uh, this nurse's rights were all trampled on. And they're not, if the government can give you rights but then take them away, they're not rights at all. They're, They're privileges. And she was quite right. So that was a brief summary of that story, but that we'll see what we can figure out on that um, on that score. Now, there is still plenty more to go. I have to take a quick break, so we'll do that now. And when I get back, we'll dive into, oh, I don't know. Let's see. We did the nurse thing. Uh, oh, yeah, we were talking about the U.N. and the United States. We'll get back into that. Okay, we'll be right back with more after this. to Irwin's Automotion. 17 years ago, Irwin was renting space on the corner of Bank and Heron. His encyclopedic knowledge of all things mechanical and his no-bull honesty has resulted in his second move. He now operates a huge facility on Cleopatra, eight bays and an expert staff that operate all in the same wavelength. Honesty, integrity, try to save the customers some money and headaches, but fix it right the first time. Irwin's Automotion, 34, Cleopatra. Tell them council sent you. That'll make them smile. Ron Barr, General Manager and CEO of the Greater Ottawa Truckers Association, the voice of independent truckers in the Ottawa area and proud supporters of Nick at Night. 
Every day we go to work to help build a better Eastern Ontario, and safety is our top priority. Every start of the shift, our drivers perform inspections on their truck, so we ensure that our drivers go home to their families each night, and you, the public, have confidence that the big truck beside you is safe. If you have any issues relating to any size truck, I encourage you to contact me at 613-738-1639. Let's build a better, fatality-free Ottawa together. Papa drove a truck nearly all his life. You know it drove Mama crazy being a trucker's wife. Parts you couldn't handle was it being alone. I guess you needed more to hold than just a telephone. All right, a little bit of Garth Brooks there for you. Okay, let's go back to work here. All right, now, i got to remember I'm on video because half the time I'm sitting here bobbing along and carrying on. <laughs> All right, now, so the UN, the U.S. has said pretty much gone to the United Nations, which is exactly what I think we should do. And, oh, that does not sit well with the United Nations. Let me share with you a little bit of this. Secretary General Antonio Guterres warned the Trump administration on Tuesday that if the United States disengages from any issues confronting the international community, it will be replaced. Okay, when I read that, of course, the question is, with who? <laughs> who would you replace the United Nations in the United States with? What other economy out there can generate the kind of money you need to operate? You know, the United Nations only really does one thing well, and that's waste money. But they don't have any money of their own to waste, so the biggest contributing country is what? Oh, yeah, the United States. Now, because of this, Trudeau is, oh, we're going to help pick up the slack. Anyway. I'll get into another story about that in a minute. Anyway, the the point is that they're all, oh, they can't believe it. Um, they're talking about all the trouble in, in um, Syria between, a, you know, the Americans shot down that Syrian, a Russian-made Syrian jet, and now the Russians saying, uh, next time you fly over Syria, uh, we're going to shoot you down. So there's, you know, I'm hoping cooler heads prevail, but the U.N. has nothing to say about it because there's nothing they could say that would have any effect. You know, it's kind of like um, a little... Uh, a little child screaming at two adults. You guys be good. You guys be good. Yo, 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 you. Don't you know you're making me angry? Yeah. Good luck with that. So anyway, it talks about how that if the United Nations. <laughs> okay, let me read the last uh, the last um, paragraph here. Asked about a new world order sparked by the Trump administration's actions. Guterres said, I believe that if the United States disengages in relation of many aspects of foreign policy and many inter- many of international relations, it will be unavoidable that other actors will occupy the space. Again, I beg the question, who? Who would you put in that spot? There isn't anybody. You think that the Chinese are going to cough up that kind of money? I don't think so. You think the Russians are going to do it? Not likely. They don't need to. Do you think Saudi Arabia is going to do it? You know, somebody on Facebook mentioned mentioned earlier tonight, why don't we move the U.N. headquarters from New York to Riyadh? Let the Saudis do it. They run the show anyway. That's not necessarily a bad idea. Anyway, uh, he concludes with this, and I don't think it's good for the United States, and I don't think it's good for the world. No, it's no good for the U.N. It's great for the world. You know, one of the I've I've I remember several conversations with um, uh, different people about. Okay, so what do you do 
What do you do if you have no United Nations? If, if I got my way and we scrapped the United Nations, what would you do? Well, that doesn't mean you couldn't put something else in its place. And I would call it the United Nations of Democratic Countries. Call it because, look, acronyms, oh boy, when you talk about these world, world organizations, they love their acronyms, right? But there'd be several conditions you have to meet to become a member. First of all, you have to be a Western secular society. Secondly, you have to have a judicial system that actually, you know, for the most part works. And you have to have the ability to carry on negotiations on your own if need be. There's certain, in other words, there would be certain things in place. And the charter would say no interference in internal state affairs. Like, we're not going to fly with the, the people who run this thing would not come to Canada and wag their fingers at us about how we treat our Aboriginal people. While yet in Yemen and Nigeria and I forget the third, Rwanda, not Rwanda. Rwanda actually has made a remarkable recovery. But anyway, um, you know, those places basically have burned to the ground and nobody cares. So you, they don't get to come here and do that. So the, I think if you had something like that, you would have uh, a reasonable amount of um, uh, that would be something that could certainly be worked out. If you got a bunch of adults around the kitchen table, you could probably come up with a better plan than what the UN does. So I just thought it was funny that they, they seem to have this crazy idea that getting rid of the United Nations uh, or, uh, you know, the UN, U.S. leaving the United Nations is somehow this massive disaster. Well, for the UN it is, but not necessarily for the planet because the UN has been a curse and a cancer on the planet for the last, oh, I don't know, 40 years. So I don't... <laughs> <laughs> go Trump, go in that regard. You know something I've I've said since he got elected. If he only gets two things done, I'll be a happy camper. If he gets out of the Paris Accord, he's done that. Great. If he pulls out of the United Nations, excellent. I'll consider him a successful prime president, no matter what else happens. He could build the, the wall. I would like to see the wall built down along that southern border. And if he gets that done, okay. Now he's an amazing president. After that. Don't have much more to say about that. All right. Now, if you thought, <laughs> uh, where did it go? There was another story based on that one. We're going to give another $120 million to alleviate, if I can find that real quick, uh, before I get into the Senate. I want to talk about the, sen uh, the Senate. Uh, hang on now. Sorry, i got to deal with that one later. Uh, just pull it up here. I'll go back there. See, electronics are great when they work. And if I'm fast, everything works fine. Um, here it is. Oh, yes. Let me bring this to your attention. This is an outflow of that story I just read you. Uh, the headline, again, out of the star, is Canada pledges $120 million after UN wars, warns of largest humanitarian crisis since World War II. Now, the first question you have to ask yourself, and yes, I'm busy beating on the U.N. because it's an easy target. They do so many things wrong that this is one, this, this is their, one of their core mandates, is to make sure these kinds of things don't happen. And what have they done about it? Nothing. Remember when the, the aid ship to Palestine was on? Remember all that? And we had all kinds of people going, trying to, you know, uh, flip the finger to the Israelis and, and bring aid, many, much of which was uh, nothing but uh, weapons, you know, on ships with a little bit of food piled on top. And the Israelis quickly wised up to that and put a stop to it. Excuse me. 
But when all that was going on, there was the whole Darfur thing. Their kids were dying in their thousands every day. And there was no aid convoy to Darfur in Yemen. Nobody cared. The UN wasn't going around going, oh my God, the poor kids in Yemen. They should have. But they were too busy bashing Israel for defending itself. Anyway, so here we go. Let me blow this up a little bit. Okay, the mm, let's see. Canada will provide almost $120 million to help avert the uh, prospect of starvation for 20 million people in Nigeria, that was the other country, South Sudan, Somalia, and Yemen. Again, this is the UN's mandate. How come they're, you know, how, what makes you think, first of all, that that $120 million is going to make even a drop-in-the-bucket difference? Okay. The pledge comes in response to the United Nations warning earlier this month that the desperate situation in the four countries represent the largest humanitarian crisis in the world that, that the world has faced since the end of World War II. Okay, now, where is Nigeria, South Sudan, Somalia, and Yemen? Now, I haven't checked this, but what is the predominant religion there? I know in Yemen and Somalia, for sure, it's, it's Muslim. So you've got these millions of Muslims starving to death on the doorstep of places like Saudi Arabia, Egypt, um, the United Arab Emirates. Now, when I say doorstep, I'm being you consider that a bit of a loose term. It doesn't mean that you know it's, they're literally touching, but they're certainly a lot closer than we are. Okay, some of the wealthiest countries on the planet. You know, they're they're if you could put Saudi Arabia if it wanted to, could string a, a, build a highway that runs through all of those countries. And have a constant supply of food going into there to alleviate this if they wanted to and could get it done in probably a year. And in the meantime, they could be flying it in or shipping it in by ship until the highway is built. There's ways to do this. There's no reason for these people to die except for the fact that the people who are next, their next door neighbors who have culture and religion and geography all in common are letting them starve to death. And we're supposed to throw 120 million bucks in the pot, and somehow that's supposed to make a difference. What are we? What is the matter with? Like, this is the part that drives me nuts about Trudeau. I'm not against sending humanitarian aid, but don't you think it would be more effective if you went to the United Nations and say, "Tell you what, you get Saudi Arabia, you get the United Arab Emirates, Kuwait, Qatar, all these other really wealthy countries." in that area, to start dealing with this, and we'll help out. We'll do our share, but we're not going to do this alone. Because Canada's a wealthy country, but it ain't that wealthy. $120 million? You realize that's about four times our population? No, that's the money. It's $20 million, sorry. That's about two-thirds of our population. It's starving to death. And yet we're the ones who got to pick up the slack. Like I said, I'm not an incompassionate man, but it doesn't make any sense to me to take somebody with a tiny little wheelbarrow and expect him to haul enough food or at least, you know, make a massive contribution to food when their neighbors have literally earth-moving dump trucks by comparison that they could send in full of aid. I'm sorry, folks, that doesn't make any sense to me at all. And I get tired 
of this government throwing money we don't have and causes that it won't change the outcome not one whit. There's a really good chance not a penny of that $120 million is actually going to make it anywhere near those people. And yet here we sit, thinking we're doing great, thinking that somehow this is going to, oh, boy, do we ever feel good? We can sleep good tonight because we did our fair share, boy. Yeah, don't we feel good? Aren't we great guys? All we're doing is making the problem worse. Because for every dollar we send over there, that's a dollar less than Saudi Arabia or these other countries actually have to pan out. Not that they spend a whole lot of money on this anyway. So I just, oh, man, it's enough to make you just lose your mind. All right, man, yes, $120 million for 20 million people. So it's not going to make a difference, and that's the part that drives me crazy. All right, now, speaking of the Middle East, is there a group that these murderous, bloodthirsty thugs won't kill? Is there, are there people that these, these, people, these thugs won't kill? The headline is, ISIS urges attacks on Ramadan's night of power, Islam's holiest day. Now, I think most people know that the, the most common victim of Islamic violence is, in fact, Muslims, that they kill more Muslims than pretty much anybody else. I'm not saying that that's okay by any stretch, but, you know, Muslims are uh, very, very... Uh, they, they suffer terrorism the same way that we do, only with... Um, uh, you know, how do I put it? ISIS just doesn't care who they kill is what I'm trying to say. Uh, I think there was a list uh, in this article that talks about some of the attacks that have taken place. But let me just share with you a little bit of it. Uh, let's see. Uh, there we go. Okay, now. Known in Arabic as, oh, God, Laylat al-Qadr, it makes the night during the Holy Ramadan month of Ramadan that Muslims believe the Prophet Muhammad received the first revelations of the Quran. While the vast majority of Muslims consider the occasion as the best time of the year to pray for blessings and forgiveness, jihadist groups such as ISIS, ISIS exploit the date to urge brutal acts of violence. Last year, when the night of power fell on July 2nd, a widely shared message pushing for calamity everywhere for the non-believers was delivered by ISIS, and that night there was a surge of terror attacks. ISIS operatives plunged into a foreigner-frequented restaurant in Dhaka, Bangladesh, and hacked 20 people to death when they were not able to recite verses from the Quran. On the same day, ISIS fighters detonated a massive truck bomb in a popular Baghdad shopping dis- district, killing at least 200. Pro-ISIS messages are said to be circulating are said to be circulating on encrypted apps such as Telegram this week, calling on Muslims to wake up. The war is starting, especially in the wake of Sunday's mosque attack in London. By the way, that is something else I wanted to talk about. From what I have been able to glean from the different contacts within the intelligence community that I have, um, the story isn't quite as presented as I understand it, here's what I what happened. The, the service at the mosque was over, and someone was, uh, they were carrying out someone to get a medical attention that was either very ill or even was already deceased. So there was a group of people standing outside the mosque. And around the corner came a guy who was driving too fast and simply ran into them. 
It wasn't an attack. There was no evidence to support the idea that he got out with a knife and started screaming uh, and killing people and slashing at people. None of that happened. It was a traffic accident. Now, of course, they immediately seized on the opportunity to play the victim card. And since then, Muslim MPs in Britain have been calling on a curtailing of the freedom of speech and the freedom freedom of the right to gather, to under, in other words, to underline the Magna Carta and British common, common law as a response to this traffic accident. So I just thought I'd share that with you. That's what I was able to, to uh, uh, learn over the last seven days over the, since the attack happened. Anyway, ISIS and other Islamists preach that the obligation of jihad is multiplied during Ramadan as the reward... If, as is the reward if you die carrying it out. Uh, let's see. So far during Ramadan this year, which will end Saturday, there have been uh, a dozen Muslim terror attacks, including at least 31 dead in, bag- in a Baghdad ice cream parlor bombing, a car- truck explosion in Kabul that killed 150, an attack on Iran's parliament and a total Khomeini shrine in Tehran that left 12 dead, and a further eight lives lost in the London Bridge rampage. So it just goes on and on. The, the, these people, they just... They'll kill anybody. They will absolutely kill anyone. And what I can't figure out is when are we going to wake up and realize we have to take this seriously? When is the government of the day? Like, we know about Trudeau, okay? I, I just, you know he's not going to. But what about the population at large? Do you think that events like this, events like this, are, are, are now so common that two things are possible. One, that people are waking up to the fact that their their very culture, their very lifestyle is at risk, or that they just glaze over. Oh, yeah, it's just another terror attack. Just another terror attack. Oh, well, you know, too bad, sucks to be them. I hope that's not the case, because what that means is that in order to shake people out of that, something has to happen to them or right in their own backyard. And I do not want that to happen. But I don't know how long we can go without that happening. And that's the part that makes me nervous. So I just thought I'd bring that to your attention. Now, all right. Oh, yes. Well, if you thought that the war uh, between Patrick Brown and his riding associations was over, not even close. There is a story out of iPolitics. A whole executive council quit. This is only a couple paragraphs long. The six members of the Ontario Progressive Conservative Canada Carlton Riding Executive are quitting over what they say has become a toxic and destructive environment. Canada Carlton President Tim Broshek, Vice President Richard Bonato, CFO Carl Arsenault, Secretary Vell, oh boy, excuse me for butchering this, Vella. Thapalia, Ed McAllister, and Richard Lane wrote a joint email to Ontario PC President Rick Dystra and Executive Director Bob Stanley on Sunday laying out the reasons why they're quitting. After almost a decade of volunteering, first as donors, then as door knockers, later as riding executives, we believe that we've been here long enough to understand the trajectory the trajectory of the party's culture. Uh, yeah, and they can, the, they can um, pretty much... You can pretty much draw a conclusion that this is not good news for Patrick when the whole executive resigns. This isn't just, and he's already had a, a member of his senior circle 
his uh, one of his advisors, a gentleman by the name of Elliot, about two weeks ago resigned from that spot in the inner circle um, over issues like this. So this is a long way from over. And while Patrick Brown may be riding high in the polls, he's in trouble with his own party. And it doesn't look like it's going to end anytime soon. Okay. Uh, do I want to? Yeah, I do. All right. Now, here's another question for you. Everybody is all upset at Donald Trump. I mean, you, you'd think that if you listen to the Democrats and the, the elite media in the states that this is the devil incarnate and he's just, oh, my God, he's so terrible. We all, we've all seen uh, what's happened recently with the shooting of the con- congressman or senator, American Republican. I forget what, which, one, which house he, he was in. But anyway, shot in the hip, and, and uh, uh, this guy turned out to be uh, a raving Democrat. He used to work on the Bernie Sanders uh, campaign. Now, I'm not blaming per- Bernie Sanders, you know, personally. For this um, for this attack, I don't think he phoned the guy and said, "Okay, go and try and pick off some conservative, uh, some Republicans at a softball game." I think the guy did it on his own. But I believe that the left has a lot to answer for, and I believe that they uh, they have set the culture, they have set the tone by their constant and ongoing barrage of utter hatred towards uh, Donald Trump that have created the conditions where people have now gotten to this point where they think, they think, look, if nobody else can do it, I guess I better. And they're trying to you know, do some real damage. If They have a lot to answer for. And by they, I mean the elite left. This, If this doesn't cause people to sit up and say, whoa, 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 hold it, hold it, hold it. And I mean on the left-hand side of the, of the aisle here, the Democrats, who lost again, by the way. They lost another race down in Georgia in 6th District. I'll get to that in a minute. But the point is, these guys um, have a lot to answer for. The George Clooney's and the, uh, what was her name, the one who held up the mock head of Trump. I forget. Last time I called her Gifford, I got her wrong. Griffin? Anyway, whatever it was, it was somebody like that. And, you know, all these different, uh, Robert Nero, if I saw Trump, I'd punch him in the face. You know, these these ongoing acts or this just culture of absolute condoning violence against someone duly elected. You know, they haven't ever been able to say, okay, look, my side lost. He's the president. I got to suffer through this for the next four years, and we'll try and beat him next time around. That's not their attitude at all. They're completely delusional. They're completely out of control. Will they, will they admit it? Not on your life. Not on your life. They are not interested in the least of admitting they were wrong. They'd rather chew razor blades. Now, some of the Democrats are beginning to get it in the grassroots because they can't win. Every time they run a race, they lose. All right. I'm going to take a little bit of a break here. Uh, When I get back, we'll get into some more of that, and I've got all kinds of other things as well. We're going to talk about the Senate. (laughs) Oh, yes. I'm all of a sudden a big fan of the Senate, and I'll share with you why right after this.
So Nick is reloading and taking a much-needed break. Not that he needs one. But maybe it's a good thing. So if you want to fire him off an email, just uh, send it to Nick at LateNightCouncil.com. That's simple, huh? Nick at LateNightCouncil.com. Or better yet, call now. Hey, I know he could talk forever, but you know what? If you're doing talk radio, you love the calls. 343-700-4390. That's 343-700-4390 for the Capital Region. And if you can't get through on that line or you live far, far, far away, like we're talking about Alaska, 1-844-562-4766. That's 1-844-562-4766. Now, our call service is automated. You won't be talking to a live person until you're live on air. Don't sweat it. Just follow the prompts and while you're on hold and, and you'll be fine. night does not exist without advertisers so if you want to buy time you contact either myself jc at late or you can contact nick if you're more comfortable with him and of course i certainly understand that you can contact nick at late the ads are like really really cheap i mean you're gonna you're gonna love them okay you're, you're, we've, we've made them quite accessible Feedback is always welcome. Tell us what you like. Tell us what you don't like. And thanks for tuning in. Now, back to Nick at Night. All right. Now. Remember I talked about Senate? <laughs> Yes, let me just find the right story. Oh, yeah, we'll get to that one, too. Uh, let's see. Oh, and the war on and conservatism continues. They very nearly booted Brad, Brad Trost out of the uh, PC party, um, the federal PC party. Uh, but there's more to it than that. Uh, yep, that's that one. Where did it go? I had it. Oh, yes, here it is. Here it is. Here it is. In case you were worried I wasn't going to be able to find it, Ha, here it is. Now, I'm delighted with this story because for a long time, people would have said, you know, what do we have a Senate for? They rubber stamp everything. It kind of goes, um, it, it's, it's, it's nothing but a Patridge parlor. And I remember old time, old Irish Tom, when I was on the air, he called up once in a while. And, Good Lord, he hated the Senate. He hated everything about it. He Nothing but a, a point. And for, you know what, for the most part, for a lot of for a lot of its history, he was right that that was just a chamber that that rubber stamped everything. And then Trudeau came along and said, "That's it. No more political parties in the Senate. We're going to strip away the labels." <laughs> I wonder if he thinks that's such a good idea now. All right. Well, if you're wondering what I'm talking about, 
let me share this with you. Justin Trudeau reminded Senators Friday that they're unelected and have no business rewriting a federal federal budget passed by the elected House of Commons. Oh, Mr. Trudeau. The Prime Minister said he respects the role Senators play in providing sober second thought to the legislation. Indeed, having an inv- having instigated a new appointment process aimed at making Senators more independent and less partisan, <laughs> Trudeau said he actually encourages Senators to scrutinize legislation and recommend improvements. But don't you mess with my budget. But he drew a line <laughs> at the government's budget implementation bill as Senators debate whether to hive off the portion of it of it that deals with the creation of a new infrastructure bank. It's important to understand that the House of Commons has the authority when it comes to budgetary matters. Uh, Mr. Trudeau, so does the Senate. (laughs) I'm very much in respect and encourage blah, 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 blah. That said, Trudeau added that the government is looking forward to swift passage of the federal budget that passed through the House of Commons with all the legitimacy that the elected House of Commons has. Okay, now, uh, the way our system works... (laughs) is the reason why we have a chamber of sober second thought is to make sure that bad bills don't get passed. In a nutshell, that's what it comes down to. Okay, and now, uh, the vast majority of the time, they don't do this. There's another story in here. I thought I had it pulled up. I don't see it right I don't see it uh, right off the bat. But there's another story in here about how the Senate pulled apart out of the budget about a, an elevator alcohol tax. And they said, no, you're not doing that. And they sent it back to the House. So now the Liberals got to figure out whether they're going to send it back up to the Senate and say, no, you need to approve it. And then we'll see a battle of wills between the two or whether they're just going to accept the fact the Senate threw, threw that out. Because let's face it, we are we are taxed to death. And I watched an exchange between Andrew Shear, who I'm liking more and more as a leader. Uh, for the conservatives, he is a, just a razor blade in that house. I mean, he just chops Trudeau to pieces, and I just love watching it. Uh, uh, he had some pretty clever comments in the last clip I watched. But anyway, the point is um, that if at this tax rate, okay, if Canadians surrendering this much money in taxes isn't enough to float our boat, and the problem isn't a taxation rate. It's not a problem of going out and finding new things to tax. I don't think there's much left. Um, The problem is they don't know how to control their spending. Now, that's been true for a long time. However, it's even more true now. That's what's got them ticked off. They've said, no, you're not going to do that. And he went, you can't make me. I want my mommy. Yes, tough. That's the way the system works. Now, um, so he's mad at that. And that suits me just fine. This is the kind of thing. You see, what's that old saying? Be careful what you wish. Be careful what you wish for. You just might get it. There you go. See, by making the less partisan and not, you know, removing the liberal slash conservative um, label, you give them a sense of freedom because they no longer feel much allegiance to you because you don't have any allegiance to them. You appointed them, that's true, Some in some cases. And I really wish Mr. Harper had appointed more before he left. But the bottom line is, too bad, so sad. Suck it up, buttercup. You know, just, you're going to have to be a little bit more accountable with the way you spend the people's money. Because now we have a chamber that's not afraid of you anymore. 
Although why a senator would ever be afraid of the prime minister, I have no idea. Same reason for the as the governor's general. They're in there for life. No, I think the the age is seventy five. They're not. It's not a lifetime appointment, but they're seventy five, and there's some pretty young, um, pretty young ones up there. They're not all like uh, almost octogenarians. They're they're in their fifties and sixties, and they've got ten twenty year career in there. And now they're going to make them sweat. I love it. So I hope you feel the same way about it as I do, because I got to tell you, that is just. Uh, <laughs> it's just you got to read it. This this story comes out from CTV News. It's on my Facebook page. If you want to go and look at it there, or you can go and look at it on at CTV. Now, uh, oh yeah, it's. <laughs> I talked about uh, Trump's polling numbers. I'm just going through this now. I have a question for you. Did the idea ever occur to the liberals that the, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Tobacco laws. That's it, tobacco laws. Or no, the taxes on tobacco should be lowered to undermine the black market. Not the liberals that didn't. But now they want to do the same thing with marijuana. All right. I'm going to try and make an adjustment here. I have a phone call I want to get to, and I want to make sure you guys can hear it. So let me bring on the caller. Good. Hello, I'm Zach. Hey. Hi. Hey, I'm Zach. How Hi, are you doing? Um, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Now, I'm going to ask you to work with me a little bit here, Zach. I'm trying to see if I can get this so my Facebook crowd can hear your hear your call as well. Um, so... Uh, let's go ahead and start. What's on your mind? Yeah. Um, I was just wondering um, how, like, I think, like, largely the, um, like, how the political landscape has become is it's incredibly um, polarized. Not that, like, I'm, um, wait, um, you... Like sometimes they justify that that as a reason for one of the um, Republicans being shot, but like that's not not my point. But okay, what I'm just saying is like I um I listened to a conservative talk show called Infowars, and I just wanted to know your opinion. Now you know my online identity, I assume. But fire away if you heard of them or anything like that oh, yeah uh infowars that's uh what's his name that's the um uh, some people call alex him a hothead jones. alex jones that's him uh that's yeah. his that's his baby right and just yeah, for yeah. Those, just for those people on facebook who can't exactly can't hear your call so i'm going to try to trans uh, keep them posted with what you're saying but you're asking about uh, my impression of infowars and like any news site there are good things on it and there are stuff that i i don't agree with and Alex Jones uh, strikes me as someone who can be, I don't want to say he's bipolar, but one minute he's calm and cool and collected, the next minute he's off the, you know, he's bouncing I would say he's quite heated at times. Oh, yes. And, like, and like his whole, like, grand thing is that there's this, like, new world order, which I heard a previous caller mention of, like, how people are, are making a whole world government and like they um they're like big tech companies um hollywood the, the democratic party and all of them are and other and after like i just keep 
hearing about like normal like um like uh, t- technology articles about like how they're infringing on your um privacy, how they are like messing with um how you think they mess on words and semantics on face Facebook and like they like go they go and take that one step further and like they link up a bunch of this and after they say, Oh yeah, he's so there there is evidence of, of people making a world government just just due to all of these facts, I guess. Okay, so listen. and like I I've in fact I I'm a computer science major and which got me thinking like what kinds of technologies I can build that like still right, well, have progress exactly. and yet um don't screw people over. Yeah. Okay. Let me let so me jump that's in here. My whole question. Okay. So let me let me deal with that as best I can and because the people on Facebook just can't hear you. So I'm gonna answer your question and then I'm gonna let you go. But uh, the the answer is when um, it comes yeah. to new world orders and that kind of stuff, I'm not gonna say that's not a real conspiracy. I don't know. I mean the the one thing is there's enough you know what there's enough real problems even let's let's say that for the sake of this discussion that there is uh, this movement for a one world order okay and that that the guys like Alan Jones and that they're right what's the best way to deal with it do we go after the head of the hydra or do we go at from the grassroots and we simply ins- assert our rights here on the ground as local citizens in our own backyards and make sure that any move by anybody uh, trying to take away our rights is met and defeated because it's like having a high-performance car. If you don't put tires on the car, it doesn't matter how high-performance it is. It's not going anywhere. And it's the same thing yeah. with dealing with conspiracies, okay, whether they're real or imagined. The best way to do it is just stand up for yourself and assert your rights and accept your responsibilities too. That's the other side of that. So the short question is, uh, the short answer is, I'm not sure about these. I've heard about them for years. Sometimes I believe them, sometimes I don't. It depends on what side of the bed I wake up that morning because it's easy to find evidence to support both sides. But in um, general... I actually had to go. Um, I actually had to go, so um, I'll just um, tune out and just um, hear the rest of what you had to say. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, <laughs> thanks so much. Thanks for the call. Appreciate it. All right. He basically, if you didn't hear the call, he was just asking me my opinion on Alex Jones, Infowars, and on this whole One World Order thing. And it was like I was, I'm assuming you heard what I said when it came to um, uh, uh, the whole Alex Jones thing. Alex Jones, I'm not really sure what to make of him. On one hand, he sounds like a passionate, as the Americans use the phrase, patriot. And there's times when he sounds a little off the wall. But... That doesn't mean that the the core of his message doesn't have a grain of truth to it. Like, there's times I sound off the wall, too. But as far as conspiracy theories go, because they're theories because they're hard to prove. Okay, that's the whole point. I mean, you've got all kinds of conspiracy theories out there, everything from the Illuminati and the Masons to, uh, you know, uh, the Knights Templar to the assassination of JFK to we didn't really land on the moon to uh, the IMF and the Rothschilds and the Bilderbergers. And you run down the list, you've got conspiracy theories as long as your arm. Which ones are real? And I have no doubt some of them are real. How do you know? I don't know. So the best way to defend against whatever conspiracy is out there is look after yourself when it comes to your rights. It's like if you have 
if you do what I do and just sit in a chair all day, okay, my chair happens to be in my car. But if, if you spend a lot of time driving and you don't get out and exercise, you're going to get one of these called a pot belly. Okay? If I want to get rid of it, I got to go out and get exercise. All right? And look at take a, take a second look at how I'm eating. It's the same thing true with your civics, right? When you're out there and you're in your daily life, you can't be so blinded by your daily life that you don't see the threats that are coming. And this is why Zach Ray, you know, was a very good question about the whole idea of are these conspiracies real? I don't know, but the best I do know the best defense against them is to make sure that your rights of private property, free speech, freedom of assembly, you know, you run down the list. Those are protected and defended. And as well, that you accept the responsibility of guarding those rights and making sure that by doing so, you do not infringe on anybody else's rights. And that will defeat 99% of the conspiracies. Because a lot of people say, oh, yeah, but, you know, big pharma, big this, big that, they get all the money. It doesn't matter. Because it doesn't, when it comes down to who, you're, who you elect at your town council level, big money doesn't play a role. Not that I know of. And yet that's the most, one of the most important. You know the most important elected position in this country is? It's not prime minister. It's not premier. It's a school board trustee. And your town councillor. If you live in a little town like I do, like Killaloo, okay, I know the councillors, all of them. I think there's six. And the mayor. I know her, too. So whenever I see one of them walking around, I can go and talk to them. Now, that's the beauty of living in a small town. I get it. You can't do that in Ottawa. Okay? That's not quite, you, you know, whether, setting aside my personal opinion about Jim Watson, he's not going to be walking down Laurier, and I'll see him and go, Jim, I got to talk to you. You know? It, it's a little different animal. I get that. But the point is, you should know who your elected officials are at the lowest possible level. And if you don't like who it is on the school board, throw your hat in the ring. Run against them. Challenge them. Go to go to those meetings. Find out what your kids are being taught. Because that's where this battle is being won. I've been watching a lot of Jordan Peterson, uh, the professor from Toronto, uh, who stood up against the, all these stupid uh, pronouns. You know, there's 32 of them now in New York City. You know, the Z and the he and the Z and the Zer and the all that other nonsense when it comes to gender identifying pronouns instead of uh, male, female, him and her and that kind of stuff, the traditional ones. Uh, and he stood up, and he's probably one of the most courageous men in Canada um, because he, he stood up again and he, he got all kinds of support for doing it. And he took a lot of flack too. But uh, I've been watching a lot of his lectures, and there's a lot. He says the, his attitude is that if you don't like the world around you, you're the only one that can change it. You have to be courageous. The, the last speech I watched by him was only about five or six minutes long. And you have to be courageous. You have to learn. If you, ha if you don't feel courageous, you have to act like you are. You know, that you can't get anywhere by burying your head in the sand. All you do is paint a target on your butt, and somebody's going to come along and kick it. Stand up for yourself. You know, it's, and I get it. It's easy to say sitting here. But it's required. I'm talking as much to me as I am to anybody else. So anyway, I just thought I'd share that with you. Time to play another couple of commercials. Stick around. I'll be right back after this.
EMM Group is the authorized IntegraSpec distributor for the greater Ottawa area, providing technically advanced insulated concrete farms. The design virtually eliminates waste while providing the ultimate energy-efficient, quiet homes and structures. With over 40 years' experience in the concrete industry, EMM offers the best product to homeowners and contractors. Canadian-made IntegraSpec is now being used worldwide. More info can be found at IntegraSpec.com. Don't consider building any other way. Call your ICF specialist, 613-835-2600. EMM Group is Ron Barr, General Manager and CEO of the Greater Ottawa Truckers Association, the voice of independent truckers in the Ottawa area and proud supporters of Nick at Night. Every day we go to work to help build a better eastern Ontario and safety is our top priority. Every start of the shift, our drivers perform inspections on their truck so we ensure that our drivers go home to their families each night and you, the public, have confidence that the big truck beside you is safe. If you have any issues relating to any size truck, I encourage you to contact me at 613-738-1639. Let's build a better, fatality-free Ottawa together. Carry on my wayward son. There'll be peace when you are done. Lay your weary head to rest. Don't you cry no more. Man, I wish I could play an instrument the way they do. That's a great band, Kansas. All right, so let's moving right along here. Uh, we did that one. Uh, ISIS, we did. Yep. I'm just going through this. Oh yeah. So Brad Trost, you know, it's it's funny, and this kind of goes hand in hand with the Patrick Brown story earlier. Look, I'm all for Andrew Shear. I don't blame Andrew Shear for this. This is not about Andrew Shear or his leadership. Brad Trost feels the same way. He's a supporter of Andrew. He want, Look, of all the times, there's an organization within the Federal Conservative Party called the LEOC, which stands for the Leadership Election Organizing Committee. And there's a story out of the Hill Times, which features a guest of mine that I had. Was it last week? I think it was last week I had Joseph in. Joseph Benamy, who is not only, not only was Brad Trost's campaign manager, but is, a, is someone I've known for a number of years now. And the whole story is just so ridiculous. It's not even funny. Like, where they got this idea, there's obviously somebody within the upper reaches of this group, the LEOC group, or the Leadership Election Organization Committee, that don't like SOCONs. And there was nobody more SOCON than Brad Trost. And they tried to have him thrown out of the party over this bogus uh, salting scandal uh, that turns out it didn't come from Brad Trust. It probably came from somebody inside Leoc. Now, the tragedy is they they had up until last Thursday, I think, uh, to turn over the $50,000 bond that every candidate had to put up in order to, it was kind of like, you better be good or we're going to keep your money bond. And uh, they had a secret trial, a secret, uh, I don't want to call it a trial, uh, kind of a lot more like a kangaroo court where they thought that Brad was responsible for this when, you know, he, him and his campaign had nothing to do with it. At least that's my opinion. Um, so they kept the $50,000. So now lawyers are involved and lawyers are going to be talking to lawyers and money will flow. And I don't blame Joseph and, and, and that team for doing that. You know, uh, 
the party, uh, I think, would probably want them to appeal. But if they do that, if, if Joseph were to go out and uh, appeal this, then that gives legitimacy to the claim in the first place. As far as I know, there's no appeal process anyway. So what kind of appeal could they launch? So now the lawyers are going to get involved and economic blood is going to flow. And none of it was necessary. None of this. And it's the same complaint I had about Brown. Right in the very beginning, I thought, why is he doing this? This is not necessary. At a time when the party has to show unity, this kind of nonsense is going on. I, I, I just don't understand how people think. It just doesn't make any sense to me at all. So that's the latest on that front. And it just, there's this, obviously to me, there is a war in Canada at least, if not in the broader Western culture, against socially conservative-minded people. That means people like me, a lot of you feel the same way. Some of you don't, and that's fine. But there is a, a, a very, very large group of people out there who are being underserved, if not, if served at all. And you see it in the media. There is a huge hole in broadcast media right now. The, the only p players in the field that I know of that come from the right-hand side of the spectrum is Rebel. Well, okay, I, I play a bit of a role, and Brian Lilly does too. There are certain commentators out there, but as far as having a counter-to-the-left kind of a media, we don't have it in Canada. The closest we get is Rebel. And if I had about 4 or $5 million in my pocket, and I'm just a wee bit short of that, um, I would start my own radio station. And it would be a right-wing radio station, and I would not shy away from calling it that. Because there is a tremendous hunger, not just here in the Ottawa Valley and in, in Ontario, but all across the country for people who are right-wing-minded to have a place where they can go and hear the world coming from their perspective, from the news. You know, it's, it's one thing, and I've always said this about a lot of our social me our media outlets, like take Peter Mansbridge as an example. You know, he'll claim to be objective. What a load of crap. He's a socialist. I'm a, I'm a small-c conservative, and I'll tell you that right up front. So if that's the case, be honest about who you are and what you represent. And then at least we know where you're coming from. I can respect somebody who says, look, um, you know, I come from this particular background, and, and this is the way I view the world, and I don't always agree with you. No problem. I get that too because that's what the kind of thing that I want. I want people to understand who I am and where I come from. And I think it's disingenuous to do it otherwise. So if somebody were to set up some kind of media outlet who's got deeper pockets than mine that looks at the world through the same set of lenses that you and I do, okay, now we got something to talk about because we can have a conversation. Look, when I was on the air, I would get calls from people who vehemently disagreed with me. I remember I was sitting in during a, um, a, a 9 to noon slot once, and I don't know how many of you remember, for those of you in the Ottawa area, um, a lady by the name of Cornwall Ann. She was a hardcore liberal. There was nothing the liberals could do wrong, and there was nothing the Tories could do right. And she called up. I took her call, and she started going like a machine gun. just She couldn't talk fast enough. So I said, Ann, Ann. And she's coming, and breathe, breathe. 
And she said, but I got to get it all in before you cut. I said, no, you don't. I'm not going to cut you off. So she, she relaxed and she started to speed up. I slowed her down again. And I finally said, when she was done, it took her about two and a half minutes, maybe three, to get through it. I said, Ann, are you sitting down? She said, why? I said, put your seatbelt on. Why? I said, because I agree with everything you just said. Well, then she didn't know what to say. And the reason was because no one has the corner on good ideas. There's always something of value that somebody else brings to the table. So I enjoy, and I think anybody who's intellectually honest enjoys hearing somebody else's position and point of view. What we don't enjoy is when they stuff it down our throats and tell us we're not allowed to voice ours. That's where we get into the trouble. That's when my hackles go up, and that's when I start to lose my temper. Because I'll sit here and listen to what anybody wants to say. It's something I've tried to do through my whole broadcast career. It's just give people an opportunity to state their case. And then they'd better be ready to defend it, because if I don't agree with it, I will challenge them. But I think there's just, with the, with the, the climate in the media today, there's no room for that. It's either fluff and pap, or it's just totally acidic. Somewhere there's got to be room for some right way, for, for somebody from the right to have a conversation with somebody from the left where they don't want to end up killing each other. And I think there's a huge gap for that, uh, a huge market for that. So anybody out there got a couple of million bucks they want to invest in a radio station, <laughs> give me a call. <laughs> we'll talk. Your people do my people. We're going to do lunch. Yeah, that's it. So anyway... <laughs> God, can you imagine me trying to do a rap? Ugh, that'd be awful. <laughs> All right, now that, oh yeah, I wanted to get back to this pot thing. I, I had uh, brought up earlier, so let me get back to it. Okay, <laughs> this is funny. First of all, um, if you remember, one of the things that Mike Harris did was to curtail uh, cigarette smuggling, was to dramatically cut the taxes and take the profit out of it, right? And it worked. It put a big dent in, in uh, smoke smuggling across the uh, across the border and that kind of stuff. <sighs> so now Trudeau wants to employ the same technique, but not on cigarettes. He wants to do it on pot. Now, wait a minute. Why wouldn't he do it on tobacco? Oh, because tobacco is bad for you. We can't promote. We can't promote tobacco smoking. Never mind the fact that the people who smoke it are, by and large, adults. And it's a legal product. Well, you want to smoke, go right ahead. I don't care. You're an adult. I occasionally puff on a pipe. I enjoy it. I don't inhale it. You'll die. Every, that's one thing I will... For anybody who's ever... Um, I highly recommend people who want to um, um, try it. Try a pipe. Don't inhale it. You'll die on the spot. It will kill you. It's not meant to be inhaled. But it's a very pleasant experience. You don't have to do a lot of it. You know, you can, you know, once a week or whatever, whatever suits your fancy. I certainly enjoy it. So don't don't give me crap about promoting cancer and smoking. That's not, it's a completely different thing. Uh, inhaling a cigarette will kill you over time. There's no doubt of that. But pipes are completely different. And it's almost, you know, and I didn't mean to get down on the, run down this track, but I'm like that. Um I can remember more than once smoking a pipe and having somebody come up to me and say, you know, I love the smell. And the reason I love it is because it reminds me of my granddad. 
or reminds me of my uncle or my father. That's just the aroma. It, and it's such a pleasant smell. It's That's the difference between cigarettes and pipes, first of all, is it's a much more pleasant uh, experience. Anyway, didn't want to go down that road. But the point I'm making is that um, it would seem that if Trudeau won't do it on ta- won't do it on uh, cigarettes then he shouldn't do it on tobacco either charge tobacco taxes at the same rate you charge on cigarettes oh well that'll put it in the hands of the criminal element just like cigarettes so if you're going to do in other words the back side of the coin what I'm really saying in a back back uh, uh, a roundabout way is cut the back to uh, the the smokes uh, the taxes on tobacco and get that down so they they stop smuggling it across, you know, down there at Alexandria or Detroit or wherever they're bringing those things across and take the profit out of it. If it works for pot, why wouldn't it work for tobacco? If it works for tobacco, why wouldn't it work for pot? I don't like pot. I don't think it should be legalized. But if they're going to do it, whether I like it or not, then doesn't it make sense? It's the same. You, you It's something you, you know, you stick a... a thing in your mouth, you light it and you inhale it into your lungs. Now, you might have different reasons for doing it, although there are a lot of people who tell me they get a nicotine rush when they smoke cigarettes. I don't smoke cigarettes. I tried it. When I was in air cadet camp in 1977, I tried it. I must have tried for six weeks, and every time I did, I got sick as a dog. And I just said, screw this. If I don't like, if I got to go through that to, to learn to smoke, then I'm not interested. And I never did pick up the habit. Uh, but those who do, um, do it partly because that's part of the addiction is the, the nicotine, right? So maybe the reasons aren't all that far removed. But the bottom line is, from a taxation point of view, if you really are interested in doing this fairly, which they're not, this is just a vote-buying scheme. But even if they even if they were, then you either lower the price of tobacco taxes or you raise the price of pot taxes to that of tobacco. It's just I just don't understand why it's why this kind of thing is so hard to understand. All right, I've got to take a little break here for a second. I'll be right back after this with more. Of the Greater Ottawa Truckers Association, the voice of independent truckers in the Ottawa area, and proud supporters of Nick at Night. Every day we go to work to help build a better Eastern Ontario, and safety is our top priority. Every start of the shift, our drivers perform inspections on their truck, so we ensure that our drivers go home to their families each night, and you, the public, have confidence that the big truck beside you is safe. If you have any issues relating to any size truck, I encourage you to contact me at 613-738-1639. Let's build a better, fatality-free Ottawa together. For 17 years, I've been taking my cars to Irwin's Automotion. 17 years ago, Irwin was renting space on the corner of Bank and Heron. His encyclopedic knowledge of all things mechanical and his no-bull honesty has resulted in his second move. He now operates a huge facility on Cleopatra, eight bays, and an expert staff that operate all in the same wavelength. Honesty, integrity, try to save the customers some money and headaches, but fix it right the first time. Irwin's Automotion, 34, Cleopatra. Tell them Council sent you. That'll make them smile. All right. 
let's get back to work. Here's the last thing I'll say on this whole uh, pot thing. Uh, This comes from an article out of uh, CBC News, and it reads this way. The low taxation rate is an effort to eliminate the black market. The Liberals have repeatedly said the purpose of making marijuana legal is to keep it out of the hands of children and criminals. By setting a low rate, the source says it will help drive drug dealers out of the market. So if you took out words like, if you took out of that paragraph words like um, marijuana and swapped it in for uh, cigarettes, and you could still include everything else by setting a low rate, the source say it will help keep the cigarettes, uh, keep the um, cigarette smugglers out of the market. Wouldn't take much to make that swap. But no, that kind of logic doesn't work. Not with this clown. Anyway, all right. Now, there is um, another story I wanted to get to. Oh, okay. Now, yes. It's not just conservatives that are under assault. Look, one of the things, I don't care whether you're Christian, atheist, whatever you are, I don't care. But I think that most of us would agree that the one thing we don't want the state doing is to edit our holy books, in this case the Bible, or demand that certain passages in it not be taught because it violates the Human Rights Code. Because guess which one came first? And guess which one those... You're trampling, in other words, you're trampling all over people's right to practice their religion. All right. This story is out of Alberta, I think. Yeah, Cameron, Alberta. A Canadian Christian school has been ordered by a public school board that it partners with to cease reading or studying. And here it is in quotes: any scripture that is considered to be offensive to particular individuals. Targeted biblical verses include those which speak against homosexuality. Now listen to this list. Okay, homosexuality, fornication adultery, idolatry, and witchcraft. So they're saying that you can't tell kids it's not okay to sleep with another man's wife. Are you serious? You're telling me that worshiping an idol is all right? That Christians should throw that away, even though it's one of the Ten Commandments? That it's okay to practice witchcraft? Now remember something. Before you jump all over me for this, remember this. I am not saying that people are should be burned to the stake for practicing witchcraft. But I am saying that it's completely okay for Christians to teach Christians to teach their children not to practice witchcraft. Or anything else on that list. The the human rights uh um They've got no business messing with this stuff. And yet this is the kind of attack that Christians uh, Christians are under in the West in general and obviously in Camrose, Alberta. Let's see. Parents in Camrose, Alberta and nearby towns send their children to Cornerstone. Uh, Cornerstone, what's the name of the school? Uh, Cornerstones, Cornerstone. Uh, Cornerstone Christian Academy. Here it is. Okay. Uh, and they're to refrain from teaching any biblical sc- scriptures which the board has determined violates Alberta's human rights legislation. All right, anyway. So parents in Camrose 
and nearby towns send their children to the to Cornerstone because they desire Bible study to be integrated into their children's curriculum. The vision statement for the school states that students will have a good working knowledge of the Bible as a foundation to their education. Unfortunately, the Liberal Public School Board is dead set on changing that. It's none of their business. You wonder why people homeschool? This is why. The board trustees met Thursday to discuss the Holy Bible verses, which they found found to be offensive. Who the hell are these people? You know what? Tell you what, I got. I just had an idea. I tell you what, let's go to the board out there that's doing this to that to that uh, Christian school in Camrose and hand them a Koran. Say, so tell you what, you want to edit the Bible? Fine, we'll let you edit the Bible. You edit the Koran too, or let us edit the Koran. See how that flies. You want to start telling, taking things that are offensive out of out of uh, sacred writings? Okay, here you go. We want to see your your what you what you do with the Koran, because you and I both know there ain't a snowball's chance in a blast furnace they're going to do that. Yet they feel completely free and without any hesitation to jump on Christian teaching and Christian philosophy as taught in the Bible. That that's okay. We can do that. You know why they can do that? Because they're not afraid of Christians. Christians don't go around blowing people up. That's why. In a nutshell, that's why. They're not afraid of us. And they have no reason to be. And yet here we sit in a country that prides itself on freedom, taking the freedom of parents away to educate their children as they see fit. Well, parents are the ultimate authority and have the ultimate responsibility for how their kids are taught. And the state is there to support them in that, not to preach to them about how to do it. Can you imagine Rachel Notley telling you how to raise your kids? You think you'd listen to her? Would you let Kathleen Wynne do it? Oh, by the way, they're doing that here in Ontario, too. Through foster parenting, if you don't have the, if you're a Christian, if you don't have the right social attitudes, or if you don't, if your child four or five years old says, "Daddy, I want to be a girl," then guess what? You have to affirm her in that. And if you don't, the state could actually come in and take your child. In this case, the state is the province of Ontario, some free country. So I just wondered what you thought of that. It's enough to make me go crazy. I'll tell you. And it's it's a tragic thing to say, especially when the kind of the kind of country that our veterans have fought for was based on the principles, the Judeo Christian ethic. That's what this country is founded on, and people who don't like it can bounce up and down all day long, but it doesn't matter. That's the truth. All right, now there is another story, somewhat. No, not really the same. It's This one comes to us from CBC Radio. Um, there's a big debate. I heard it on, on our local terrestrial station here, too. Uh, and I don't understand this. They, a lot of people are, are complaining about the funding of Catholic school boards because they think it's unfair and that it should, we should have a totally secular society. And yet... Okay, well, let me share with you some of the some of this article so you get an idea of what I'm talking about. 
As a small grassroots coalition in Ontario launches a legal challenge against separate school funding, Charles Pascal is renewing his call for an end to public dis- dollars paying for Catholic schools in the province. One One Public Education Now or OPEN argues that funding Ontario's separate school system with tax dollars violates the Charter of Rights and Freedoms. Charles Pascal, a professor at the Ontario Institute for Studies in Education, has been making the argument that Ontario should have one secular school system for some time and sees his court challenge as a reasonable way to forward uh, a reasonable way to forward in a province where risk averse politicians are too nervous to take on the issue. It's too bad the governments aren't leading on this, he said. On the other hand, there comes a point in time when the notion of bringing forth litigation is basically the last resort. Okay. Uh, first of all, there's a bunch of problems with this. Number one, he's either complaining about the religious aspect, which is none of his business, or he's complaining about the cost and the outcome. So if you want, if that's what you're concerned about, let's take the religious aspect out of it. If that's what you're concerned about, doesn't it make more sense then? If you're going to shut down one of the two boards... Wouldn't it make more sense to shut down the public one? The outcomes are not as good. The education's not as good. I'm not saying it's not good, but it's not as good as the Catholic board. And the Catholic board, as far as I'm concerned, could use some work. But that's a, I won't bother with that topic right now. Bottom line is this. If you had to shut down one, why shut down the better one? That's like having two cars and driving, keeping the junker. Because it's too expensive to maintain. If you're going to do that, you keep the public one. You keep the you you keep the separate school board, and this whole idea that Catholics don't pay for the education. Are you out of your mind? Who do you think built most of the high schools and 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 uh, post secondary stuff? Where do you think all that stuff, that infrastructure that they now use, came from? You think the Catholics didn't pay taxes? This is crazy. You think the Catholics don't pay taxes? You know what? I tell you what, I would go along with him. I would be willing to do this under a voucher system. You you completely take away the funding, or at least dramatically cut it back, for both school boards. And then you give parents whatever it is per head. Let's, I don't know, $10,000, $7,000, who cares, whatever the number is. Let, let's just say it's five grand, okay, for the sake of the discussion. You give them a voucher for $5,000 per child. And you say to them, you can go to any school you want to. Here's the money to pay for it. It could be a parochial school. It could be a separate school. It could be a public school. It could be an alternative school. You could use it to buy curriculum and books for your own, you know, to homeschool with. Whatever you want to do with it, it's your money. You go ahead and spend it any way you want to. And then watch the schools have to compete for your money. You want to see a tremendous rise in the standard of education and a tremendous cutting of waste in the education system? That's how you do it. And that's why the public unions in this province and Kathleen Wynne, they don't want anything to do with that. Because the teachers' union is huge. And they don't want to have their jobs threatened. Well, if they did a better job and we're more conscientious about looking after the students instead of going on strike every two or three years, saying it's all for students' benefits when the students student sees no benefit, the teacher does, then you might have something to talk about. I'm sorry, folks, but I cannot believe 
that this guy's actually out there. If he was serious about reforming the education system, he wouldn't care which one you went to. He'd be screaming for vouchers. But I have a feeling this guy has something under his saddle when it comes to the Catholic Church. And that is propelling him forward, whatever it is. And I don't know. I'm just guessing. It's my gut feeling. He doesn't like the Catholic Church. All right, fine. I don't care. doesn't bother me. But he's so angry about something. He's using this to propel it. To He's using this to attack it. He's using this to shut down one of the largest Catholic institutions in the country, the Ontario Catholic Separate School Board. Maybe I'm wrong. I hope so. But I don't think so. So that was another little story I thought it was interesting uh, and needed to be brought forward because I'll tell you what, that kind of nonsense has got to end. I'm sick and tired of having having people attack our institutions as if they were disposable just because you don't like them. Well, that's not the way this game is played. I'll be right back after this with more. of the Greater Ottawa Truckers Association, the voice of independent truckers in the Ottawa area and proud supporters of Nick at Night. Every day we go to work to help build a better eastern Ontario and safety is our top priority. Every start of the shift, our drivers perform inspections on their truck so we ensure that our drivers go home to their families each night and you, the public, have confidence that the big truck beside you is safe. If you have any issues relating to any size truck, I encourage you to contact me at 613-738-1639. Let's build a better, fatality-free Ottawa together. EMM Group is the authorized Integraspec distributor for the Greater Ottawa area, providing technically advanced insulated concrete farms. The design virtually eliminates waste while providing the ultimate energy-efficient, quiet homes and structures. With over 40 years' experience in the concrete industry, EMM offers the best product to homeowners and contractors. Canadian-made Integraspec is now being used worldwide. More info can be found at Integraspec.com. Don't consider building any other way. Call your ICF specialist, 613-835-2600. All right. Well, we just had a call come in, so I'm going to take the call, and we'll uh, try to work with it as best we can, given the limitations that I find myself under. Um, <clears throat> let's see. Here we go. Hang on, caller. I'll get to you right now. Good evening. Who am I talking to? Welcome to the Naked Night Show. It's Mike. Hi, Mike. Um, boy, as I sit there listening, and I'll try to be quick because I know the Facebook's not getting the audio, Uh I, I, you know, when I sit there listening to, you know, our, our institutions are in, in jeopardy or they're not respecting our institutions, it kind of ticks me off because I'm thinking to myself, what institutions? We don't have, where do we have rights in this country? Do we have the right to property or is our right to property respected in this country? Is our right to life respected in this country? Assuming you make it to birth. And assuming you don't get sick or elderly, because we know what happens then, because what we're doing now, do you have the right to earn a living? Do you have the right to work? Do you have the right to make your own choices, free from the government, interfering with your life? In what way are our rights respected in this country? We don't even have the right to practice your own religion as you see fit. And you can see that Christianity is being 
well, Judeo-Christianity is being more and more marginalized um, in favor of secularism, atheism, paganism, environmentalism, anything other than Christianity. Yeah, and tragically, Mike, that's uh, you're bang on. You're bang on. I wish I could re- engage you further in this call, but like we said, the Facebook crowd is unable. Yeah, to, no worries. I'll have to sort that out. Uh, uh, make sure that because I thought we had that figured out, so we'll we'll work on that and get it fixed for next week. But uh, all right, thanks for the call. Appreciate it. Okay. All right. Basically, Mike was just confirming everything I had just said about uh, you know our rights are are have basically been turned into privileges. In a nutshell, that's that's what this uh, boils down to, where we don't have the right anymore. Um, and, you know, you wonder. One of the things that one of the brilliant parts about the um, um, what's the word I'm looking for? The brilliant parts of the American Constitution or Bill of Rights is the fact that the rights contained in it. Are not God? They're not man. They're not created by man. They're inalienable. That that means they are unchanging. They are eternal. They don't. Governments can't give them to you and then take them away because that's not a right. So, anyway, now I want to move on to one more story here before we get through the night, and we are getting towards the top of the show, or the end of the show. There was a terror. They call it a terror attack, and this is from the Mail Online. Actually, is where I found it. Uh, and I'd heard about this earlier in the day, but apparently, well, let me read you the, the headline. Terror attack at Michigan airport. Tunisian knife man with a hatred of the United States wounds a cop by repeatedly stabbing him in the neck while shouting Allah Akbar before being uh, tackled to the ground. This guy was uh, a Canadian citizen. I'll share a little more of the story. The man who yelled Allah Akbar as he stabbed a police officer at a Michigan airport on Wednesday has been identified as Amar Fatui approximately a 50-year-old Canadian man who is originally from Tunisia. Uh, <clears throat> and I'm not making a spitting sound. This is his name. Fatui, unless it's Fui or Tui. I think it's Tui. I'll leave the F silent. Repeatedly stabbed Lieutenant Jeff Neville from behind at Bishop's Airport near Flint, leaving him in serious but stable condition. The attacker was tackled to the ground by fellow police officers. This afternoon, the FBI confirmed this. it is treating this episode as a terror attack and said Tui is also... Is also Tui also yelled about Syria, Iraq, and Afghanistan, where all he carried out his attack. Now, the agency has said he is a hatred of the U.S. and traveled to the U.S. from Can- to the U.S. from Canada, or apparently worked as an insurance agent. All right, now. So the question for the prime minister, because of course this is an international incident between two countries, when one citizen of a country attacks a police officer in another, uh, that tends to cause the government of the offending party some headaches. So what does our little boy King do now? Because we all know how he feels about... Um, he can't even bring himself to say the word Islamic terrorism or the phrase Islamic terrorism. So what's he going to do? Is he going to insist that this man be returned to Canada and we'll punish him here under our law? I don't think so. The Americans are not going to like that very much. So because what you know what? Again, you know, make me king for a day. Um, <laughs> here's what what would happen if I were king for a day. I would have somebody go down. Not that I think the Americans would not do this, but just because this is what you do when you have a citizen in trouble in a foreign country. 
especially, well, in any country, if you can. Uh, you go and visit the person in prison, make sure that they're getting three squares and are being treated fairly. After that, sorry, pal, you're the one that swung the knife. You're the one paying the butcher's bill. Uh, you are going to be tried in the United States by a United States jury, and whatever the consequences are, you're the ones going to have to live with them. We're not here to bail you out for being stupid or being a terrorist. As a matter of fact, if it was me, I would revoke his Canadian citizenship, citizenship and let him rot. And let the Americans take 25 years to get to him if they, don't, if they want to, if there's no rush. The guy attacked a police officer with a knife. Now, obviously he didn't use a gun because we don't have guns in Canada. No, no, can't have those. But think about it. What's What role could Canada play? Because this is a problem for our external affairs department. Okay, this is our our closest ally, and one of our citizens just took a knife to one of their security officers. All right, so put yourself in Trudeau's chair. Oh, God, wouldn't I love to? <laughs> well, maybe not. But <clears throat> you've got a situation, <laughs> and everything you've said is now coming back to haunt you if you're Trudeau. Because the guy's hollering, Allah Akbar. He's screaming about Syria, Iraq, and Afghanistan. And obviously, the guy is an Islamic terrorist. Be interesting. I haven't seen any statement yet to this point from the PMO about this. And I have a feeling if we do see something, it'll be some Pablo Mumbo Jumbo blather that talks about root causes and talks about, oh, you know, we got to hug him and we got to kiss him and uh, all that nonsense. That's not going to fly. It just doesn't work. Now, I want to encourage you, uh, if you're on Facebook, go to my Facebook page. There's three interviews there. Or you can go to VladTepes.com. They're in both places. Okay, that's where I got them from, to tell you the truth. Um, watch those three videos with the CIA. Um, he's a former station chief, and he's now retired. Now, normally, the thing that makes this remarkable, these interviews... And I've, I've watched them. And believe me, you learn a lot. And the sad part is it confirms most of the things I was afraid of. Because, of course, I've been following this for rather closely for a while now. And they talk about the Manchester Manual, what it means, how come it, it's relevant today. It talks about why the city of Manchester was attacked. It talks about all kinds of things talks about their logic and their reasoning and their tactics and why they do what they do and where they get the ideas from and all this, how they recruit. It's a very, very important series of, of um, things. Now, the reason, because the interviewer said to him, you know, it's a very unusual thing for a retired member of the FBI to do. And he says, yeah, normally it's once you're gone, you, you know, you go into the background and, you know, you might work for an intelligence company or, you know, you, you might work for... Um, uh, think tanks or things like that, but you don't come out uh, publicly and start talking about the internal workings of the CIA. But that's what he's doing. And he said, the reason I'm doing it is because somebody has to. And his assessment of what Obama and even even um, the guy before him, uh, not Ford, not Nixon, oh man, Bush, even what happened under Bush, the last Bush presidency and the two Obama presidencies, he said, you would not, there's nobody left with any credibility in the CIA to deal with this stuff. And he gives some very concrete examples. So I can't encourage you enough 
to go and watch those uh, videos, you will learn a ton. And it, it's, it's, it's frightening in one sense, yes, but it's enlightening and encouraging in the other because it shows that people who know are beginning to say, we can't sit on our hands anymore. And they're starting to come out and starting to educate the population through social media. And the impact that's going to have, I think, is far-reaching. So take some time to watch that. All right, folks, I hate to do this to you, but guess what? The show is over for the week. Therefore, we must call it a night. I thank you all very much for participating. It's been a fun two hours. Uh, sorry about the technical glitch with the phone calls. We'll try and get that sorted out so that next week you'll be able to hear the calls as well so everybody can feel like they're included because we're all about inclusion, right? <laughs> all right. Uh, with that said, it's time for me to play our, our uh, closing theme. And at the same time, we'll be caritas at Amor. They are CBS. Good evening. God bless. Don't let anything disturb your peace. And may you have a fair wind and a following sea. Of all the money that I had, I spent it in good company. And all the harm I've ever done, alas, it was to none but me. And all I've done for want of wit to memory now I can't recall. So fill to me the parting glass. Good night and joy be to So fill to me the parting glass And drink a health whatever befalls Then gently rise and softly call Good night and joy be to you Sorry for my going away And all the sweethearts that e'er I had They'd wish me one more day to stay But since it fell